Pelotero Pickle episode 56 is on-field machine work garbage. Should the Mets be giving their fans thumbs down? And we talk about hitting plans. Get to versus have to versus want to. What's the right approach for you? Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 56. I'm joined by Chris Colabello. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. A reminder, send us your topics. Email us at pickle at pelotero.com or shoot us a tweet on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. We love getting all your requests for content. We just get overwhelmed with all your all your requests and all your topics. So keep them coming. Chris, how are you doing today? Hello, Robert. I'm wonderful. I always do that intro for sarcasm but hopefully people start sending more topics i feel like your syllables are all wrong today like i did sarcasm on purpose yeah yeah but just in general you have this whole motif there were somebody asked a bunch of questions on the on either my twitter or your twitter or pickles twitter i don't i don't remember which one it was there were a couple questions last week i don't know what they are Good. How are you doing? How's life? I'm delightful. Got a little Labor Day weekend action. Labor Day recording. Yeah, it's Labor Day weekend. Years turned. Can't wear white anymore. Do you follow? Do you follow those kind of fashion rules? You're not much of a fashion rule follower. No, I went to a wedding last night. I wore Jordan ones with my suit. It was nice. Nice. Good job. Did, yeah. I bet I bet more people commented on your shoes than anybody else's shoes. Hundred uh, percent. The, there was a moment in time where a drink was spilt, and it was in the vicinity of me. And the girl working at the bar came over, and she was like, "Oh my god, are the are the Jays okay?" She's like, "I saw those from a mile away." What do you want me to do? I mean, it's just it's just plays, man. Just plays. This were, is the first time I okay? wore, first time I wore sneakers with a suit in my life. All right, let's jump into the topics. Uh, I added this topic this morning because I thought it was important to cover. Uh, it's an Eno Saris tweet. He said, or the tweet says, and it's a quote from a player, I think it's garbage, said one major league, uh, one major leaguer of Giants, different approach to BP, which is the multiple pitching machines. Uh, so they're, they're doing the on-field machine work. Quote, it speeds up the game when the game is sped up enough. BP is about being slow. And then end quote giants have used that prep to great success but this weekend's matchup is huge so this was clearly a player on the dodgers i don't know what player it was on the dodgers but they're playing the dodgers is a quote from the dodgers and then uh i added i I commented that said the only thing missing is quote for me because it's garbage for him and then he said it was a data and tech friendly player so he assumed that part and that he was a little surprised and then I got I got irked by that. I didn't like the the fact that he was surprised because my general feeling there is you're not qualified to be surprised about that sort of thing because you're talking to an individual player who gets to make his own choices about what prepares him best to hit against the best pitching in the world. So curious what your thoughts were. I don't understand why people in general have to try to tell or ask people what they think of the way somebody else gets ready to do anything. 
it just it if you told me that you needed to you know make sure you took a shower right before you were going to run you know a sprint made you feel better it might not make sense to me but it's your thing so i could care less about what the giants do for bp i don't i don't think there's any way for us to really truly evaluate the direct implications that it has on people's performance or their ability, right? There's just no possible way to do it because we don't have clones. So at the end of the day, do whatever, man. Whatever makes you feel good about yourself before the game, great. Now, I will say this. If they force that on people, then I'm off it. If But you, you need to have multiple BP alternatives, right? Um, well, you go from earlier in the year, they were making a big deal about Shohei Otani never hitting on the field ever. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. And then a couple of years ago, Bryce Harper, when he made his MVP run, never hit on the field, only in the cage. So are we supposed to only hit in the cage? Are we supposed to never take BP? Are we supposed to hit high-speed machine work? Like, everybody's different. I, I also commented maybe the tech in the data says that he performs better when he doesn't hit against machine. Right. Maybe he doesn't like getting blown up by 98 with high spin pregame because maybe it hurts his hands or – he doesn't feel good about himself. He's getting destroyed in batting practice. Yeah. Which some people will come back with and say, oh, well, you got to over prepare. You got to face what you're going to face in the game. And I think it just disregards what makes a hitter good. Like you're shooting a ball out of a machine. It's not the same. No matter it's what. It's not the same. Yeah. If I was playing in the big leagues, I would probably stand in on that on certain days against certain pitchers. Um, it's just it's such a nuanced conversation because you don't know how the player feels. You don't know, you know, we're in September. Like my body hurt today just getting out of bed. I can't imagine what these guys are feeling after what are they? How deep are they? 140 in? 130 plus like games into the season. So their bodies are probably shredded. Um do you want to go face game speed machine work be pregame before like before you go out and face the Dodgers? No, I don't know. Um, if it's a, if it's a specific pitch type that I struggle against, I should know that going in. So I should know what I need to think and feel going into it at bat. So I just, there's, I think there's diminishing returns with that sort of stuff. Uh, if you're doing it this deep in the year, it's, it's, it's all semantics. Cause we have no way, we have no way of knowing if it's good or bad period. I, I listen, I've heard stories about, players in different organizations, particularly case in point. Uh, I've heard stories about a player who's won an MVP doing a lot of machine and external focus this year, particularly while he was not with his team, meaning like on rehab and he's having the worst year of anybody ever. So what are we talking about? It, do it doesn't matter. It, like what matters is how it affects the player's psyche. Period. End of story. If somebody thinks it's garbage, then don't do it. If somebody thinks it's good, then go do it. Who cares? doesn't matter. Just leave people alone and let them do what they think is best for themselves. That's it. That's all it's good for. I thought the, the player comment about BP being slow, I think is valid. I, it depends on what you're using BP for. And everybody, every player is different. Everybody's got their own approach and that's cool. There's a, I forget if it was in talent code or talent is overrated. It's, it's, they're different books, but they're the same book. It's all about how the brain and myelin and how skill, de skill development happens. And one of those books has an example of, I think it was Roger Federer or some other elite tennis player, how when the elite tennis player practices, they practice for like 20 minutes and they get their rhythm and they're good. They stop. 
And the younger players will just pound balls for hours and hours and hours. And I think it's exactly the same as what we see with like college players versus a professional player where college guys would just come and just hit and hit and hit and hit. And they think the more is better. And then the pro guy will come in and be like, yep, I feel what I need to feel. I'm done. Somebody sells you a bill of goods when you're little that you have to, that's the, that's what hard work is. And you're, it's just, there's so much disconnect in the world about understanding what work is and look there might be a time in your life where you need to rep out and build the blisters and make your hands bleed or whatever it's maybe that's maybe that's a character thing maybe it's i don't know maybe it's the ability to to grind through stuff but you don't learn and like you just don't learn anything i what we talked about the we saw that video on neural pathways the other day it's crazy how your brain will accept information when you step away from it or if you let it absorb and you really have these mental connections to things, if you don't do that, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It literally does not matter. Moving steel and hard. This is why, I, the, oh God, I'm going to get pissed. Do it. Get pissed. Go. No. Go. It, the, watching player, watching athletes just try to destroy weights every day, right? Oh, I got to go work out. I got to get to the gym. I got to go do this. And look, I'm not trying to take away the credit of the, 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 the weight room, the strength component of, of being an athlete. But it's easy to do that. It's just really easy to have somebody tell you what your workout's supposed to be and go do it. It's just super simple. Yeah, go move this steel. Go do this set of, re- of this. Go do these reps. And good, great. But people aren't connecting it to, to playing. You're not connecting it to some mental stress that is being put on you as a hitter where you have to process information through – the lens of what the pitcher might be trying to do to you and how the catcher is going to set up and the pitch types they're going to throw you. So doing the mental work is the hard part. It's the one that it's critical thinking. It's, it's making you uncomfortable in every situation possible where instead of walking into a weight room and saying, do a deadlift, it's stressful on your body, but it's not uncomfortable. Like it might hurt. It might make you sore, but the stuff that really hurts is, making 12 outs in a row and having no clue as to why you did and thinking that you got to go fix your swing. Keep going. No, I hate everybody. I'm done. I don't, I don't (laughs) want to be in I don't want to be nice today. I want to, I want to hate everyone. That's it. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do a, I'm just going to do a hateful show. We're we're moving on to the next topic. You know what? We're not even going over an hour. I hate everybody. There was, there was, I saw there's some political stuff I was reading on, I think it was Twitter and it was the old, like, they brought up the, the Chappelle show. <laughs> He's like, if you got hate in your heart, let it out. Yeah. We should do that show today. Let's do that pickle episode now. Right. Let uh, it out. No, I completely agree with you though. Like, yeah, go lift weights, go fix your swing. You're still making outs. You're not even focused on the right thing. And you think that lifting more is going to make you a better baseball player when it's, it's going to make you stronger to make you a better athlete. But like if it, if it doesn't translate to making less outs, or if it doesn't translate to getting, if you're a pitcher, like getting people out, what are we doing? It's crazy. Do the hard stuff. If you want to be good, do the hard stuff. Next topic. The Mets decided to flip the script on their fans and start giving them thumbs down for their lack of support. <laughs> this topic is hilarious to me. Uh, so Javi Baez went to his press conference and was like, yeah, Mets fans stink. We gave you, we give you thumbs down. We don't, we don't appreciate your lack of support step it up Javi Baez has been there for two weeks and he's giving Mets fans a thumbs down and then he's like surprised that they're the fans are mad at him and good for Javi like 
next game he he pinch hits in like the ninth or eighth and then gets on base and makes a play happen and does Javi Baez things. Uh, ownership just quick to go against the players on this one. I'm actually I want to talk to Pilar about this. I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear his take on it. But they were trying to make it sound like this was they had the whole churv thing earlier in the year. So they they were trying to make it like this team building type spin it to make it this positive team experience when in reality they're just giving thumbs down to their fans uh your thoughts i mean look whatever you got to do to rally around something right as a team seasons long going through a grind maybe just keep it internal maybe not come out in an interview and be like yeah i'm starting doing a thumbs down against the fans the thumbs down could just be your you could say it's code for you know the double flying wheel rotundra and then you're cool. Why come out and talk about you're giving the thumbs down to your fans? This is the problem with today's world, right? I and think they should have done the uh, from uh, the gladiator, the gladiator, where they go sideways with it, and then if they get a hit, they go up. This <laughs> is it's issue. like we acknowledge you booing us, but that one was good. This is the issue I have. And look, we I've got some buddies on that team, guys I play with, and KP is obviously one of them. I appreciate the fact that they're they're they seem to be uniting around one another. Um, it's a little uncomfortable that it's out loud. Meaning, let's fight these battles on Twitter. Like, this is the proverbial. This is the reason why things need to stay internal, and this is the reason why what happens in the clubhouse should stay in the clubhouse. Because if not, at the end of the day, the Mets Mets fans really wouldn't care if you were giving them thumbs down if you were winning, right? They wouldn't care that if you were coming with it and you were going to win the division, they wouldn't care. I don't yeah. understand how irrational it could possibly be for a player to think that they're going to go play in a city like New York and think they're not going to get booed. I just, there's no concept in my mind where that makes sense. And I don't know if, you know, feelings are getting hurt or whatever. And look, they're, they're good kids, but I, you know, Lindor and Baez and, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me why everything's got to be this rally around, oh my God, I can't believe this person said this or this media member did this. Like, how about you expect that from now on? How you? How about you just go into it expecting them to be really douchey and that that way you're, you're prepared for it and you're, you know, you can make a move and, and maybe do something about it. Also, don't be three and a half games back in your division, four back in the wild card with like four teams elite frog to get there. If there's if they're winning ball games, everything's good there. They did, you see Derek, did you see the Derek Jeter quote that they pulled up? No. Where Jeter was like, Yeah, we played terrible. We deserve to be a booed. Yeah. Like I give I'd give me a thumbs down too. Uh, right. I, how about just say that instead of getting your feelings hurt? That's why I don't understand. I, I'm telling you. And you know, Stroman and Walker did the thing earlier in the year. They had all the tweets going out. I'm like, dude, just keep it to yourself. Talk about it on the plane. Make it motivate you. Do better. Win the division, and then you can talk all the crap you want. Whatever. Just don't. I would, I would just – I would probably lean towards not giving a thumbs down to your fan base. Yeah, maybe. Good idea not to do that. They do pay your salary. Next topic, tools versus attitude, tools greater than attitude. So Jeff Leach tweeted, reality check, being respectful, displaying work ethic and hustle are attributes that will endear you to your coaches. But if you don't have the tools to outperform your peers in games, your likability won't win you playing time. 
when you said tools, I thought you were talking about the metrics tools, by the way. I just, I didn't, the transition was weird. No, we, we switched, we switched no. topics. Didn't call them metrics tools, but the, so the premise that you could be the nicest player in the world. You'd be a nice kid, good kid, but if you're not good enough, doesn't really matter too much in terms of playing time. And you're going to, if you're trying to play this game at any sort of meaningful level, you're going to get to a point where the best player gets the playing time period. It's uh, the, it's the, the bad guy rule. It's like the crazy hot scale. If you've seen that viral video, like you can be really crazy if you're really hot and you get away with it. You could be a real jerk. If you're really good at baseball, there's, there's a line that you have to stay on. And if you, if your bad teammateness exceeds your ability, you're going to run into problems, but being nice doesn't award you playing time. Attitude only matters when it's a tie, right? That thing only matters when it's a tie. When you're looking, when you're looking across the room and you're going, do I start that guy or that guy? Those, those separators only come into play more often than not in those moments where, where it's really close, right? I'm making a decision between two players who I think, have equal contributions. Maybe one guy does this a little better. Maybe one guy does that a little better, right? And, and it, let's clarify another thing, another ridiculous thing in the social paradigm of the world. There's no way of defining whether one player is better than another, like on a real life scale, right? When you look across the room and you go, okay, hey, is that left-handed hitting outfielder that runs pretty well better than that right-handed hitting power hitting, you know, second baseman or whatever? There, there's just no better. There's there's different places in the game for each one of those people. The attitude thing, and I, this isn't a, a free pass. I'm not trying to give a free pass to anyone to say, hey, be a turd when you play. Be a bad teammate. But let, let's come to terms with the fact that, first of all, we need a little edge to be competitors. We need to have a little bit of, you know, crazy, whatever you want to call it in you, to want to go kick somebody's ass. And the, the, the attitude thing matters, but you, what, like, what attitude are we looking for? What is, what is that attitude? Is it the guy that's gritty, that hustles, that, that plays his butt off when things get hard? That's the right attitude, right? And, of course, there's, you have to be good first. You just have to be good if you want to play. So I, let's learn how to merge both those things. I don't, I don't, I don't again, this is another ridiculous thing to for me to even think of i don't know why people like did that tweet get a lot of traction i uh, will pull up the numbers right now um uh, moderate it, right. 12 retweets six quote tweets and 119 likes it did not like do you not think big. the 12 people that retweeted it had never thought of this before it's it's not a matter of not thinking about it before but I think there's there's a line of thinking that if you're like a nice kid and you do things right, that you're going to be taken care of. But with the with the the thought of like being good is not there. Like you still need to be good. I think there's a difference between being like a cutthroat competitor between the lines and being a nice person outside the lines. Like I think both of those are very possible. Yeah. You, you, just because you're nice doesn't mean you're not trying to rip somebody's head off in competition. Like you're trying to steal their lunch. You're trying to hurt their feelings between the lines. <laughs> if you're not trying to do that, you're being too nice. The, the, between the lines is not a place to be nice. You're trying to you're win. You're not trying to do that. Go home. 
Uh, what are you playing for if you're not trying to win? Maybe to maybe win. the tweet was inspired by like little league kids high fiving kids that hit homers against them. Yeah. I, what are your thoughts on that? What do you got on that? I hate it. They're like six, dude. I mean, they don't even know. The, the, when I they, go back to being twelve years old, twelve years old is almost thirteen. That's almost big field. If somebody hit a homer off me, I was pissed. Yeah, but if I'm not gonna run over third baseline. If high somebody five. tried to high five you because you hit a homer, you'd be like, "Hey, hey, yeah, I'm the man." If the opposing team tried to give me a high five, yeah, I would have, I would ran it. around them. No, you. Wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not give an no, opposing team a high You're five. Lying. That's the enemy. Why? I'm not. You I don't want. You would have been such. You would have been awkwarded. You would have been awkwarded out. You would have been weirded out so much that you wouldn't have known how to react in the moment, and ultimately you would have given a high five. Because if the shortstop puts his hand out to give you a high five, you're just inherently going to do. I'm telling you, you can't talk about a reactionary moment as if you could prep for it. You would do it, and you. I could tell you what my mindset was. I could tell you what my mindset was, and I would have looked at him like he was weird, and I would, like that's a that's a no go zone. You I agree with you. I would never high five the guy on the other side of the field. But then again, when you're playing a baseball game, the con- I, I played first base. I, I mean, I had I, I had friendly conversations with every player that got the first for the most part, unless I hated them. But I think having a, having a friendly conversation, guy gets a hit. Hey man, good swing. How you doing? You're having Where's you're having line? a conversation. Where's the line? Pat on the butt. Handshake. A pitcher like there's in the Little League World Series. It feels like sportsmanship is overvalued. Are valued greater than competition yeah, to the point 12. that to the point that a pitcher is running to the third baseline to give a kid a high five before he crosses the plate. Oh, that I mean, look, I've seen. You might as well before. get in the get in the dog pile with the other team and I get it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Let's be clear. If if I was playing shortstop, I'd be out in the I'd be three steps in the outfield grass waiting for the next pitch to happen. I'm not over there giving my high five. Yeah, I think it's stupid. I'd be pissed because we're closer to losing than we are to winning. But if you hit mad. the homer and somebody high five tried to high five you, you'd be mm. like, yeah, I'm the man. No, I don't want to high five. Fine. You'd I don't still do it. it. You would I not. Do I don't it. think I would have. I don't think 12 year old me would have done it. I think I would have looked at him like he was crazy and kept running. And so get, that, point of get story. your hand away from me. I don't be want your good. praise. I'm trying to beat you. Be good before you worry about how nice you are if you're trying to get playing time. Yeah. Yep. And That's then me. if you realize that you're just as good as the other guy, then be the nice guy. And there's a there's like a social paradigm here where you have to know how to, you know, stroke some egos. And it's the same thing as dealing with your teachers. I mean, if you want good grades, have a good relationship with your teachers. I think the if we're talking about like work ethic and competing, that's not even like being nice. I don't even think that's in the same ballpark of being nice, like showing up and working hard. And like pushing teammates, leading by example, that sort of thing. You could be a really bad person to do those things. You'd be a complete jerk and challenge people in good ways. It depends ways. on what the attitude thing is. Can, can we can we go into the next topic transition from the Mets thing? I want to talk about this. You want to go back to the Mets? No, no, no. The good the the baseball IQ thing. Yeah, we can move on. Next yeah, topic. But no, there's one in between on the list. I want to talk about this right away. The good versus bad hitting plans. No, 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 the next one. Tools versus attitude? The next one. Good versus bad hitting plans. We got the a different IQ list. The IQ play, the Stroman, the high IQ or good reaction. Oh, you want to skip one? Yeah. Yeah, we can go high. So, all right, high IQ play or good reaction. So, uh, 
This is it's Will Middlebrooks' uh, podcast partner. Danny, is it Danny Vietti? Is that how we say that? Sure. He's a senior social producer with CBS Sports MLB. There was a, a pretty cool play. Uh, I forget who was hitting, but Marcus Stroman's pitching. The shift was on, so a lefty Josh was Bell on. Was hitting. Josh Bell was hitting, correct. I don't even need to watch it. I'm just saying. Yeah, so they had the shift on. A third baseman was playing shortstop. VR was playing short. Baez was playing like second. Was yeah. Lindor in the hole? The, the camera didn't show where Lindor was. Pretty hard hit ball with a runner on first uh, to the second baseman. Flips it to the third baseman who's covering second. I mean, he's out by 30 feet. VR drops the ball. I'm watching the player. And he drops the ball on the double play feed. Just, just zooms it. Kind of yeah. kicks it forward. Bias picks it up. Stroman realizes that Soto is going to go first or third because there's nobody at third because the third baseman's turning two. Uh, Bias picks up the ball, runs, throws it to Stroman. Stroman kind of like dives, falls, tags Soto. He's out. With a white belt on. With the white belt on. Yep. I noticed that as well. Uh, so Danny said that it was that the play doesn't won't get the attention it deserves. It was a sports center top 10 play. Got tons of Tons of attention online. Like it got way, probably too much attention online. So strike one. Uh, <laughs> said it was a very high baseball IQ play with anticipation and tremendous focus needed to complete this play. I had a problem. I had across the board. So I, I was kind of ranty this thing. weekend. I didn't even realize that the guy who tweeted it was so Stroman went on their podcast earlier in the year and talked with them for about an hour. So he's, you know, the Stro show, man. Like you get, oh, what a high IQ play! It's a very normal baseball play, in my opinion. I, I mean, obviously, most pitchers probably aren't making it, but Stro is always a good. He's a good athlete, first of all. Very aware of what's going on. Obviously, he's won a Gold Glove. I mean, he he's got position player written all over him. Like he just is. Wasn't he? Wasn't a freshman All American at either short or second base at Duke? Yeah, that's. He's a good athlete. Yeah, he's a good athlete. So he's fast. He's hit homers in the big leagues. Like he's, I thought he's a it good was, athlete. I thought it was such a like overkit like wow like why wasn't somebody just running to third base sooner and the funny thing was is he kind of hunched over and put his head down when the ball got dropped and then realized that the the play was about to happen yeah and more so than anything else the only person that really deserves any of the credit here is the throw by his maid into lead you know how hard it is to lead a throw to a base as there's he's no leading the throw he's on the run he had a dodge he had a dodge the third baseman Dodged him, ran to the outside. He threw across the baseline. Yeah, it was a good play. It was and a good I play. I give Juwan Soto a ton of credit for having super high baseball IQ to be like, I'm going right away. Yeah. Well, typically he would have been safe by a mile, but I just I cannot allow this to be a high high IQ play because there's two different angles. There's one angle where Stroman's literally just standing on the mound, like waiting for it's a double play ball. He's not he he was not going to third base whatsoever. They show him. Yeah, and then he hunched and over then, and like. And when the like, oh, when crap. the when the feed got dropped, he shows him his head like sulking for a moment. Yeah, and then he realized he's going to try to go to third, so he athleted his way to the play. He did not anticipate anything. If he anticipated, he would have been running to third base before the double play and was started. Instead of just standing, he was just standing right. there. The play would have never happened. Yeah, that so that's so his point. lack of anticipation allowed the lack play of being anticipatory and anticipating the anticipation. Caused, zero IQ. There was a zero baseball IQ caused play. Caused the play to happen that was strictly a reaction to a moment where other people were having good baseball IQ moments. Yeah. So, Danny, consider yourself shredded. Yeah. And also, 
This <laughs> reminds me so much of the fact that Javi Baez ran backwards toward home plate and then pumped his fist when the two-out runner slid across home plate. <laughs> but his fist, to like, first. Javi, you got to go be safe at first. And then somehow, through a mystic, magical, I don't even know what, he was ended up being safe at first because the Pittsburgh Pirates could not complete a 70- or 90-foot throw. Dave you realize how ridiculous yeah. the plays we're talking about are? The one was the Javi Baez one where he ran backwards. That was the Cubs, right? And he was involved in it. Then the then now we're talking about uh, – then you look at Taiwan Walker with the flip where it was like an inside-the-park homer when he flipped the ball foul, and now this play with the Mets. So either Baez or the Mets is involved in all of them. Those are the three most ludicrous plays of the year. Yep. They're up there. They're up there. But, yeah, so in summary, this play – Got too much attention, had no IQ or anticipation. Focus needed, sure, from bias more so than Strowman, uh, but just completely wrong. The whole tweet's wrong. Just felt like I needed, felt like we needed to point that out. I'm not important. Kidding. It's important. This stuff matters. Not really. I'm laboring on Labor Day. Tools versus attitude. So, Andy McKay, official title is director of player development with the Seattle Mariners, said, quote, Bad hitting plans start with, I gotta, quote, I gotta, and end with something uncontrollable. Get a hit, drive in a run, get on base, etc. Real plans start with, I will, and end with something controllable. I will be on time. I will hunt fastballs, look middle, uh, attack right center field, etc. Self-talk matters. Choose wisely. This tweet got a decent amount of stuff, decent amount of activity, 308 retweets, 1.4K likes. So, not a ton of engagement, but good ratio. I'm going. Go. Self-talk matters if self-talk matters. How's that? Go ahead and explain that one. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm not going to just leave it there. So, here's the problem. Hey, uh, don't think about the color red. That stuff doesn't work for me. I I don't. My brain doesn't go to red at all. So, But, like, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Somebody's going to think about red if you tell them to not think about the color red. The The point is, how do you get people to actually process stuff and learn the tools to be able to create good thoughts? Because no matter what I say, it's so easy to say to a hitter, oh, man, it's not that big a deal. You'll be fine. You know how many times I've, I've heard people say, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Just it's, it's not that big a deal. And then you spend the next three and a half weeks just parked in a dark place mentally and you can't get the thing out of your brain so on the surface yeah great i will versus i i have to i i want to versus i have to right that it's a a whole paradigm and if you really start thinking about it deeply you understand you know the the connection the challenge is how the challenge is how how do you get yourself to say "I, i want to or i will or i or I can instead of I have to. It's it's a deeper conversation. And, and look, it's a fine tweet, whatever. But the, again, the issue is the process. Like give a guy a fish, he'll, he'll eat for a day. Teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. I can help you do patchwork on, on the dam that is starting to flood you only if you're in a place during your season where you're not ready to jump off a cliff. Because if you're hitting a buck 80 in May, and you feel like you're about to get released and you got a prospect creeping up your ass and there's already a dude playing in front of you. Like, let's, let's be serious. You have to. 
And that's the way you feel every day. So I, it's a simple, it's a very simple thing to solve on the surface level. Yeah, it's, it's self-talk, the way we self-talk. But you got you to gotta learn how. You got to learn how. You can't just sit here. We can't just sit here and make blanket statements because this is the problem. This is the problem with the industry at large. We got people walk into a room and say, oh, well, your rotational acceleration is low to a kid who might lose his mind when he hears that. He doesn't know, but nobody's helping them train their brains. And they say, oh, we got sports psychologists in this. But we've taught that we're players, young players don't understand that they're supposed to be vulnerable. They're supposed to have stuff going on in their brain. So they see it as weakness when they try to find a resource to help them get through stuff. And this is the biggest challenge. This is a bigger paradigm. This is a world type thing. You know, mental health challenges. We talked a few weeks ago about the stuff that Simone Biles was going through. We, we don't do a good enough job addressing with young people how to train these things and how to build their own education systems and how to learn how to be better at this stuff. That's the problem. We're too busy you know, running a AAU practice and trying to make five grand or whatever and and not understanding and, and shame on the players too and the parents for not understanding what's really important, what they need to be learning, what they need to be prepared for if they want to play the game at a high level. How many how many college division one college players do we know that have gone to places where we could have never imagined them going because their talent level? Too many. It's actually some of these kids that are way way more talented than i ever was probably more talented you than you were you and i you can say at the time i mean well i was going to preface at the time because you got some big leagues and i didn't no, but, you can but say from you a physical I, standpoint I, I these kids good, are dude. these kids are super super talented and then they mentally quick to crumble i don't and know maybe because we don't challenge them enough when they're young I, I i that's the part that i i don't know i got my feelings hurt a lot when i was young dude i came home crying a lot when i was young and I, I just learned how to deal with animosity better and, and, and difficulty and challenges. And I, we, we need to do a better job of creating a system where that happens. So the, the tweet, so he's coming, that's a tweet from the director of player development for the Mariners. How, how do you see that playing out? So the example you gave with the player who's got a prospect come breathing up his heels and guy ahead of him at some point you're just going to get released. Right. Yeah. Like that's the reality. So how much is organizational support or that communicating that from the P from the top of the organization down, if you get that message, does that make you relax to the point that you can perform better? Does it make you accepting of failure? Like where's the line there in your mind? You, every one of us is creating a set of circumstances in our own brains, right? What, regardless of truth, false, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're all creating a paradigm in our brains about where we think we stand in totality, in the societal infrastructure, hierarchy, whatever it is. 92% of the time, most of that stuff that you create in your brain, nobody cares about. Nobody's even thinking about literally no no one really gives a crap. It's just like when I tell kids, nobody cares if you go over for literally no one cares if you go over for in, in, in an attempt to try to downplay the stresses that over four can cause. Right. Cause when push comes to shove, nobody really, nobody cares. 
Nobody cares when you're getting hits. Nobody cares when you're hitting 180. It's not a big deal. We're, we create this huge deal. Dude, I went, I was insane for 17 years of my life. Literally insane. Maybe even 25 years of my life. From when I was 12. If I went 0 for 8, I was, there were points when I was like, I should probably just go slam my head up against the wall. Literally, I would go home. I would close myself in my room and not talk to anyone. There were multiple times in my career, vividly remember not wanting to see other human beings. I needed to go home and just go sit in my room and close the door. And I look back on it and I'm, what were you thinking? What an idiot. Because it didn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're hitting 150 or 350. The, the, the challenge is how do you get yourself to, to have the best opportunity to be the best player you can be every day? And the only way you can do that the only way you can do that is if you play with good stress and without bad stress, right? And what I mean by that is good stress is like stuff that motivates you, inspires you, wants to make you do well, playing for somebody else, playing for the person next to you, playing to win a championship, um, trying to hoist a trophy, scoring more points than the other team. But when you play with bad stress, which is the I have to stress or the I got to stress, that's when things go dark because now we're creating a paradigm where we're trying to force success and typically that success is, is result-based, which is out of our control as opposed to process-based success. So when you're playing in the minors, the I have to exist in your brain because you create it because you're worried about what everybody else is thinking about you. That's the problem. You worry about what everybody else thinks and that's, like the biggest issue, the biggest challenge where all the evil comes from is when you're worried about what everybody else thinks about who you are instead of just doing your own thing. And this goes full circle. Everything we talked about tools versus attitude, blah, blah, blah. When you take care of you, when you know you're doing the right thing and you have conviction about who you are and what you're doing and you maintain being a good teammate, all the inside the lines and outside the lines stuff that we talked about between the lines, go be a savage outside the lines, be a great human. If you just do that every day, you'll be fine. But at some point, the more knowledge we gain as players, the more we start to see the rest of the world around us, the more we start to be acutely aware of the fact that, hey, there's some real stuff going on. And if I don't pick it up right here, I'm probably getting sent back to Omaha and I don't even live there, as Rube Baker so eloquently said. I'm done. That's it. I don't have much to add there. The I, I read the tweet as process versus outcome and controlling the process versus trying to control outcome. So that was good. It was great. I went next level. Yeah, you went deeper. It was good. We got one post-show topic. And then if we got anything else, uh, Trevor Story had a bat flip. We were, were asked if this was acceptable. I vote 100% acceptable on Trevor Story. He's been doing this a lot. It's the uh, follow through, take the sword out and just kind of throw it up the left field line. I like it. I'm golf clapping that one. Yeah, perfectly acceptable. So the rules are if Great it's a nat- if it's a natural Great action. Discount. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bat out. He finishes the swing behind the shoulder. He can't run the bases with the bat around his shoulder. You can't just you can't leave it there. So he lets it out and he just throws it. And instead of like holding onto the bat and putting it on the ground, he just throw. He just lets go. Perfectly acceptable. Puts his head down, runs. Uh, I see no problem. Great. He didn't even, even watch the ball. Plus which I like. I'm I think if you that. if you know it that early, let it out. 
KP KP came in hot with a uh yeah, so it's double a shuffle. Sammy shuffle. Double, yeah, so it's double a shuffle. Sammy shuffle. Um hit up over the bullpen. That was deep. Who else had a good one? Um I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I like the ones where you look very disinterested in the fact that you did what you did. Like when yeah. you hit it and you're just like, God, that was those Stanton, are Stanton does that a lot. Stanton hits it and he looks like mad. He's like, oh. Stanton's Stanton Ugh. gets very uh gets very uh <laughs> stiff he gets very stands up on you like you know he he gets uh he gets tall and he's like and he puts on his muscle muscular I, I don't have a problem with stands i like his uh there, there's i mean the key to the, the key to the showtime the key to the dismount is making it look organic if it's organic it's beautiful like when Lindor Lindor did the one at the WBC in 2017. First of all, he hit the ball to Brazil. Like we were playing in Mexico, he hit it to Brazil, and then he like threw the bat across the field and was like and was pumping the dugout up. Those are cool. Like it's just it, again the moment defines it. Stories is cool. Um, you know when Dante Bouchette used to oh he used to scare himself. Those are not you. Those are I like I like stories. It's very KBO. They do that in uh in Korea. No, they do that. All the no, the Far East players have a tendency to they, they their dismounts come from behind their back. They don't, you know, they don't recoil after the swing's over. I I just hate the ones where you walk and then throw it straight in the air. Uh, those ones I'm out. I don't understand I don't understand bat flips. Like I literally don't understand the the yearning to throw the bat into orbit after a forced moment like one of one of my uh i'm not going to name names but one of my high school guys hit a homer the other day and he's a little guy he's just starting to hit pumps now right so this is probably like his third fourth career homer he hit it and he's like five steps out the box and then he does like a like you know and look it wasn't a big deal but like dude just run and put the bat down if you're gonna dismount make it you have to make it can't be forced yeah, there was you gotta a. Learn wanna, how to showtime. You gotta learn how to showtime. I want to bring this up because it's kind of kind of related, but I'm a big golf guy. Patrick Cantlay went on just a run the last couple of weeks. Had the crazy, crazy um, uh, bonus. What do they call it? overtime in golf? What do they call it in overtime? Sudden death playoff. Playoff. So oh, last God. week with with DeChambeau, he had like a seven hole playoff for like just shot for shot it was awesome and then this week he he had the lead going into the hole with the whole playoff format um went wire to wire just the mental strain of that just to just to 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 have round one through round four hold the lead the whole time pretty cool there's a really interesting segment they did towards the very end when it was he was they were Cantley was talking about how he as a golfer he shows no emotion he's like he just doesn't show anything he ever. And he was talking about Tiger Woods and how he used the word trance and how he felt like Tiger Woods could put himself into a trance, like literally just like so locked in, so focused. And then as soon as the putt drops, turn into this maniac showing emotion, pumping his fist, you know, going after the crowd. He's like, I, I can't do that. He's like, it takes so much for me to get locked in that I can't come out of it and then maintain that focus. So he just stays in it the whole time. And the announcers were talking about how, like, embracing who you are, and that's that's who he is. He's not a he's not a showman the way Tiger Woods is a showman. He's not gonna just flip the switch on and off like that. And I I think I tend to like the players that 
stay locked in and keep it quiet yeah. versus I'm just not a very emotional guy. So I, I don't appreciate guys with outward signs of shows of emotion, but I also think baseball is a game that doesn't, isn't played best when you're highly emotional. So it's, I, I, it's I'm a, different I strokes, I guess this is no, but this goes full circle with the, it, it's, I internalize on a baseball field too. Like I don't get loud. I don't do loud things on a baseball field. Um, there's a time and place for them. And if the moment calls for them again, the reason why this is weird, right. For our generation, that the reason why it's weird is because all these things that we're talking about are look at me, look at me things. When Tiger Woods did it, they weren't look at me things. They were, they were look at my true raw emotion coming out because of this moment. When Jordan did it, it was look at these true raw emotions. When Brady does it, we got too many people going, look at me, look at me. That's the problem, Bobby. That's the problem. Look at me, look at me is tired. Nobody cares about you, dude. Nobody cares. And that's why I didn't never I, I never had a problem with Jose's bat flip that started this whole thing. Because that was, was just the, that was raw emotion. 22 years. It was 22 years in the making. You create a moment that's 22 years in the making and see what happens. But don't create a moment that happened yesterday and that's gonna happen tomorrow and then it's gonna happen the next day. Or like it's a sixteen to three game and they brought the right fielder doing? and he's not even a pitcher and you take him deep so you walk out of the, the batter's box and Launch a ball, launch a bat 30 feet into the air. Hey, by the way, we got to talk about this for a second. Salvador Perez has 41 and 100. Yep. Just like completely nobody knows. He hit a ball, I think it was 116, Oppo. No, I think it, yeah, it might have been 116, but I, it went into the fountains, like top shelf of fountains yesterday. But like, right, like you hit one right of center. His was like right center. This dude's coming with it, bro. Uh, DeRosa did a, a breakdown on him last week that I saw, and basically he's like leg kicking more. Yeah, he's just, he's just doing full leg kick, and it's, yeah, it's, he's, but he's, getting, he's getting more closed. He's I sequencing think. better because of it. He, he's always yeah. had decent moves. Like he just yeah. it, it, he he would just get blocked a little bit. Like he'd scat pull too much sometimes. Forty one and a hundred though. No, he's doing it. Is he gonna catch Otani? Should we do like a playoff rundown? I think we we should probably talk about playoffs next week. Patrick saying no, we don't have time. He wants to keep this under an hour. I feel like the playoffs starting to shape up. Is Salvador Perez going to catch Otani in homers? I think it's 41 to 43 right now. Find out. 41 to 43. Vladdy Jr.'s got 40 now. Salvi's going to play 150 games, 155 games probably at catcher. Yeah. On a bad team. He's good. The Stallion. How old is he? 31. I'm looking up right now. He's, he's 31. I'm so right. Career career 270 hitter. Is he better than uh, Molina? Yes. Prime Prime Perez better than Prime Molina? He just got and he's got the kind of body to sustain it. So he's going to do this for nine more years. He, he's going to be the best catcher of all time. All time. He's going to finish with 400 homers, Bobby. He has 193 right now. He's going to finish so with four. If he if plays he, 10 if more he years, does he's this, finish yeah. with 400 homers. If he does it, yeah, he'll have 400 homers. If he if he can maintain the current, like, even if he does this for five years, that's If he hits 20 homers. for the next 10, that's 390. Yeah. No, I, yeah, if he if he gets the four, how many, how many homers did Piazza have? Patrick, that's producer fun. Patrick, former catcher. He's mad right now. Big mad. <laughs> who's, who's a better catcher than him? If he gets the 400 homers. Piazza's considered the best offensive offensive catcher. He had 419 homers, 309, 
419. But defensively, he was an abomination compared to Perez. This guy's gonna this guy's gonna hit 400 homers, winning the Gold Glove every year. How many homers did Johnny Bench have? Like 300? Three and change. Three and change. 389. Yeah. At 267. So he's 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 gonna hit at Johnny Bench levels, and he's a premier defender. Yeah, you're gonna shake your head yes or no. Any any. Any issues with calling Perez the premier defender? He's got to do it for 10 more years. Premier defender, absolutely, yes. But he's got, if he does it for 10 more years, he'll be the best catcher of all time. That's a lot. That's a lot to think about. He's been good, but I, I've, up till now, I wouldn't have put him in that category because he, he wasn't hitting 40 homers. homers a year for the next 10, continues to play 140 games. Like If his body can sustain it, he'll be the best catcher of all time. And he's so he's had seasons with 21, 22, 27, 27. COVID was 11. Now he's got 41. If he strings together a couple 30 plus homer seasons in the next few years, look, he's in the conversation. I was very into it. I, listen, this is coming from a guy who didn't love him for a long time. I've had to play against him. I thought he was good. He was a solid receiver. Just never thought he was going to bang. Like he's a good catcher, right? I just never thought he was. But man, dude, like he just keeps coming. The 41 and 100 on, a, on the worst team in like the third worst team in baseball. That's hard to do. It just keeps coming with it, man. He's going to play 155 games probably. Isn't he with them? Isn't he locked in too, contract-wise? I think he signed one of those short ones, and then they they extended him out of it. He had one of those, like, sweetheart six for six and ten million deals. Like, he was making a million and a half each year. He's uh, signed through 2025, five for 52. Yeah. And then he, he got four. Deal and then it was yeah, that th- was 17 through 21. Then he got extended through through – 25 four for 82 so he's making 21 20 million a year 20.5 i think he's the mvp mvp on the third worst team in the league is yep. that's not gonna happen you go 40 and 100 on the third worst team in the league and you've never done that before and you play 155 games to catch you the mvp although it's gonna be tough to take it from show show a He's going to be on. He's what would happen if Shohei can Shohei be on win, the fourth worst team in the division, though? Can Shohei win the Cy Young and the MVP in one year? No. Yeah. Sure. I don't care. Who's going to, who's pitching better than him in the American League? Uh, Cole's been pretty electric lately. It's not a good story, though. Pitching. American, I need American League pitching stats right Tampa now. Tampa Bay staff is uh, pretty Robbie good. Ray's having a good year. Garrett Cole. Does Otani not qualify? There's only like 10 people on this list. Uh, yeah, Garrett Cole's having a good year. Robbie Ray is having a good year. Patrick wants us to wrap it up. Salvador Perez, potential MVP. You heard it here first. He's going to get votes. Oh, he's definitely going to get votes. We're done. Do it. Do it. All right, pickle out.